All right, let's, uh, let's turn to our passage. Um, it's in the Gospel of Luke. We've been going through Luke um, here in Advent. Um, kids, want to give you a couple things to listen for. Uh, the first one is free solo. The second one is the glory cloud. And the third one, obviously, Taylor Swift. So um, as we, I get ready to read, I want you to think about this. Um, kids, what's the highest thing you've ever climbed? Can you think about the highest thing you've ever climbed? Don't, uh, I'm not suggesting you go find the highest thing to go climb, especially here on City Lights property. Don't do that. Um, but think about the highest thing and think about your mom or your dad or whoever came out and saw you. And their reaction when they saw you that high up in the tree. It was panic. It was visceral. It was almost like they were up there feeling that height that you were at, right? Well, there's this movie about a climber, a rock climber called Alex Honnold um, called Free Solo. Some of y'all have seen it, hopefully. Maybe older kids, maybe maybe you've watched pieces of it. He free climbs El Capitan and it's insane. I mean, it's crazy. And you watch it. And if you watch it, you will, you feel you, it's clammy. Your hands are clammy. Like you, your, your shoulders are like up in your earlobes. You, you, you're tense. You need a walk after you watch the movie to just calm back down because it's like you're on that rock, (laughs) face, uh, thousands of feet above the ground. It's insane. We don't often feel that. Brian mentioned this earlier. We don't often feel that when we read this passage. There's sort of a familiarity that breeds uh, boredom. But I'm hoping as I read this passage that that sort of, you feel the sort of clammy-handed tension and excitement and unbelief at actually what's happening in this passage. This is incredible, the incarnation of the Son of God. So let me read. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord God, you are kind in all that you do. We thank you for your word that it is truth and life to us. The grass will wither and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Father, I pray that by your spirit you would work in our hearts to make Jesus more beautiful and believable to us. That our hope and our trust and our confidence and our joy in him would grow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking uh, in the season of Advent, which ended Christmas Day, about, we've been looking at this longing, this hope, this sort of leaning into these promises that God had made a long time ago to his people, that he would send a Messiah. And this season of Christmas, it's a short season, it's 12 days long, Uh, that's where the 12 days of Christmas comes from, it starts on January, excuse me, Christmas Day, December 25th, and ends on January 5th before Epiphany on January 6th, is really about the fulfillment of those promises, the celebration of the incarnation of the Son of God, and then the resulting joy that comes from that. And I want to propose to you this afternoon that there are a couple of different types of joy uh, that we see here. We see normal joy and extraordinary joy. Now, the normal joy uh, is really remarkable. It's going to sound sort of humdrum, like it's not a big deal, but it it is really remarkable when you think about this context. You see details that Luke gives about interacting with the government. There's this census in verses 1 and 2, verse 3. Everyone's to be registered, to be counted in their own town. And so Mary and Joseph have to travel. They're doing these normal things. It's sort of like getting your state inspection and having to go register at DMV or to get your light. You're interacting, you're paying your taxes, you're doing your things. It's fairly normal. Then we get this story later in the next couple of verses. The time had come for Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. It's really sort of normal, right? This was maybe one of hundreds, tens, hundreds of babies born in Judea that night. Uh, you know, we don't get the... Um, the sort of sanctified birth here, none of that happens, right? No, no crying he makes, that's baloney, um, right? Think of uh, Andrew Peterson's Behold the Lamb of God um, that Jill Phillips sings. It was not a silent night. There was blood on the ground. Like all of these things, it is visceral. You have this very normal mom giving birth to a baby, in difficult circumstances, certainly, right? They're, um, 
there's no room for them, and so they're giving birth in, potentially uh, in a cave or uh, in a like shed barn, a stall. Um, baby Jesus is placed in a manger, um, laid to rest in his swaddling cloth, just trying to, to sleep. Certainly he was crying and experiencing everything that every baby has experienced. And yet there's such joy in that. The miracle of life that a baby is brought into this world. Not just any baby, but this baby, Mary's son, is a remarkable miracle. The son of God becoming man, experiencing everything that we did. And there's great joy in just his birth. But there's extraordinary joy too. As we go on, we see the shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks just like they would do every night. Um, Shepherds did not have a great reputation. Um, Many thought of them as scoundrels. Um, They were not trustworthy Um, potentially couldn't even um, testify in court. Um, Their reputation was really bad. Um, They did whatever they could to protect their sheep and, you know, um, weren't always above board. Uh, And yet here they are out in the flocks and an angel of the Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shines around them and they're terrified, filled with fear. We see this joy in a couple of places. It's these scoundrel shepherds who are given the great honor of hearing about Jesus' birth. They get the first announcement, birth announcement, and they go and get to visit baby Jesus. It's extraordinary that these are the people that God would select to go and visit baby Jesus. The angels come And we can think, um, you know, again, it's part of our familiarity. We think of these very meek and mild sort of precious moments, kind of angels sort of flittering down, right? Harp in one arm and, you know, this sort of, that is never the the Bible's picture of angels. Um, The the words here uh, in this passage are for an army of angel warriors, And you see the shepherds quake with terror at the sight of these angels. It's extraordinary. Something they would obviously remember forever. The angels come to them and brings this message as the glory cloud descends on them. Look at verse 10. Sorry, verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The Israelites who would have been reading this later would have understood that, that idea of the glory of the Lord shining around them. It's the same word for the glory that descended on the temple 
and on the tabernacle in the Old Testament. The Israelites are wandering um, through the desert after they've been um, saved from Egypt. They're wandering in the desert and they have these instructions to build this tabernacle. And so they set up the tabernacle and God descends. The glory cloud descends on the tabernacle. This picture of God with his people. And then the temple is built. Solomon builds the temple later in Israel's history. And they dedicate the temple. And as they pray, the glory of the Lord comes down and descends on the temple. And you have this great picture of God's incredible weight and honor and power. All of these things, this this heaviness descends. That's almost too marvelous for us. And here, the shepherds see God with us again. The glory of the Lord shines around as the angel declares, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And as if to make their point, that this is a really significant moment in the life of God's people, the multitude of heavenly hosts descend and praise God, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. J.C. Ryle says this, glory to God in the highest. The highest degree of glory to God has come by the appearing of his son, Jesus Christ, in the world. By his life and death on the cross, he would glorify God's attributes, justice, holiness, mercy, and wisdom as they never were glorified before. Creation glorifies God, but not so much as redemption. We see in Jesus this baby born to save all the people, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, God's glory. He is Emmanuel from Isaiah 7.14, God with us. It's extraordinary. Even Jesus himself, this sign we would expect maybe more than that, right? The angel descends, the, the, the angel multitude, the host, uh, heavenly host descend, and they give this message. And the sign that represents all of this power and all of this glory, it's a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger just over there. Uh, In your bulletin, in one of the quotes for reflection, R.G. Lee says this, In Bethlehem, humility and glory in their extremes were joined. Born in a stable, cradled in a cattle trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes of poverty, no room for him who made all rooms, no place for him who made and knows all places. Oh, deep humiliation of the Creator, born of the creature woman. But in his descent was the dawn of mercy. Because we cannot ascend to him, he descends to us.
this beautiful picture of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, coming down, becoming man, taking on human flesh, ultimately living the life that we couldn't. It's incredible. It's beautiful. It's extraordinary. The joy that comes in this moment. God has done what he has promised. He has sent himself. He has come. Many of us think about sharing the gospel with others and we think, gosh, I have to talk about like, how sinful I am and have to try to help them understand how sinful they are. That, that's actually not the best starting point for talking about the gospel. The Christmas story gives us a different starting point. And it is when God the Trinity decide that they are gonna redeem a people to themselves out of love for us. And in order to do that, Jesus comes near. He draws close to us. Lauren Winter says, the very first thing I liked about Christianity, long before it ever occurred to me to go to church or say a creed or call myself a Christian was the incarnation. The idea that God lowered himself and became a man so that we could relate to him better. In Christianity, God got to be both a distant and transcendent father God and a present and imminent son God who walked among us. God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus, 100% God and 100% man comes and is born of a woman and joy has come. So what do we do with this joy? Well, it's a contagious joy. We see this in all sorts of people. You can probably think of someone in your own life who's repeatedly joyful, maybe even frustratingly so. I mean, it's 2023, right? And it's almost like they don't even know what's happening in our world. And they can just maintain this sense of confidence and joy. Um, Taylor Swift, uh, she, we're big fans in our house. Um, she uh, was just selected, maybe some of y'all saw this, as Time Magazine's 2023 Person of the Year. Um, it, it's a fascinating, there's a long, fascinating article on her as the selection of the 2023 Person of the Year. But the, um, one of the editors, uh, editors-in-chief uh, was talking about her selection and it's interesting, I, this was surprising to me, uh, maybe it will be to you too. This, this is what um, she says about the choice of Taylor Swift as the person of the year. She says, we picked a choice that represents joy, someone who's bringing light to the world. Now, Taylor Swift's not our savior, <laughs> I get that. Totally understand it, she's wonderful, uh, it's really fun to be a fan, all of that. So I know some of you have embraced that uh, wholeheartedly. Um, but there is something contagious about that three and a half hour concert. You're like, gosh, it's hard to sit that long. And yet there's something uh, contagious about it. It is compelling. She is compelling. 
And I think it is her joy. Obviously, the editors saw that when they selected her. And that's great. That's really fun. How, how much more, right? Is it true for us to be able to say we are the recipients of an even greater joy? An incredible miracle that God would take on flesh and come and dwell among us. And that joy ought to be contagious. It doesn't mean that everything is okay, that we like pretend that nothing's wrong. But our joy, because it's not connected to our circumstances, but it's connected to the, to the finished work of Jesus who, who became a man and, and dwelt among us and lived the life that we couldn't and died in our place and was raised to new life for us because our joy is rooted in what he did for us not in our present circumstances, we can, in the midst of a really difficult political atmosphere in 2023, or scary economic times in 2023, or really difficult personal health issues, we can maintain a posture of joy. And it can even be contagious. As that joy spreads as we carry our light into the darkness of the world. We lean in to the already and the not yet tension that exists in our world. Jesus has come. So much is made right by the fact that Jesus has come to dwell with us. Not everything but we lean into the hope that everything will be made right one day. And we live into the joy of that confidence. The love that God has shown us dwells in our hearts. As Jesus, after his resurrection, ascends to heaven and promises to send a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will dwell in our hearts our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit so that God with us isn't just into our world, but it's into our hearts. If we have put our trust and faith in Jesus, he dwells in our hearts with us and is a constant source of joy, even in the midst of really difficult circumstances of grief and sorrow and sadness. We can see as we go back into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our families, into our schools, that that joy is transformative. It can change a room. It can change a city. And as we collectively participate in carrying our little light, our joy into the world, we see more and more God's redemptive work here on earth as we wait for his second coming. The Belgic Confession, uh, it's another confession, uh, it's great, um, says this, Jesus, you are truly Emmanuel, God with us. You share in this flesh and blood life, entering my ordinary circumstances, filling it with wonder, hope, and promise. So like the shepherds, make me quick 
and ready to spread this good news to all. Amen. May that be our prayer as we go into this new year. Would we be ready to spread the good news to all? Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for this good news of the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, of God drawing near to us in his son, Jesus. We thank you for his great love for us. We thank you for the promises that are yes and amen in him. We thank you for his life lived in our behalf, his death he died in our place, that he was raised to new life for us. Would we celebrate his coming into the world? Would our joy help to transform this world and to bring to fruition the remaking of all things, Lord? We pray that you would help us to be contagious with our joy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.